We are in the final part of this series. Uh, Failing Faith is this series that we've been going through, and I've been, I have had fun with it. And uh, we've had we've uh, we've been talking about these things that we thought we knew. Uh, in fact, we had uh, uh, Taylor, uh, who was leading on the uh, piano today, uh, myself, Taylor, a couple other folks from Authentic Church, and uh, some folks from the New Point worship team. Uh, we're here, and uh, we were we got to hang out with them a little bit, and we we're talking to them. Which, by the way, side note, rabbit trail. That's one of the things that I'm diehard about: is that we are not a church that's against other churches. Okay, let me preach for just a second. We are a church that's for other churches. Just because we have our service times at the same time they're having their services doesn't mean we are competing with them. We are not competing against other churches. We're on the same mission that people would follow Jesus Christ, that they would find freedom and fulfill their purpose. That's the way we say it. They say it a different way. That's okay. So we are on the same team and we're excited for what they're doing. And so the fact that we got to team up and work together and have some, like, throw thoughts at, uh, at, at each other and grow with one another is awesome. So anyways, I was sharing with them some of the Mandela effects that I've been messing with you guys with. And the one girl, like, literally was mad at me. Like, she left mad. Uh, like, we, she was, like, I was, I was praying for her. Please forgive me, uh, you know. <laughs> because these, some of these are just kind of crazy. I got I got three more today that are for the moms. Uh, kind of these are kind of the, the uh, some of them, you're gonna know them. Uh, okay, how many member Mr. Rogers? Come on, show me the hands. If you are over the age of thirty, you remember Mr. Rogers. Okay, somebody help me. How does that song go when he comes in the door? What does he sing? Real loud. I, I need you, somebody to help me neighborhood it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> all right take your sweater off get ready to switch into your slippers here we go the song actually doesn't say it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood oh no it actually goes it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood somebody somebody watched a lot of mr rogers <laughs> i didn't know that uh, here's another one for you uh the uh, um this, the moms are all the women are going to know this one. Okay. How do you, what's the correct spelling of JCPenney? A or B? Everybody pick one real quick. I got, I've heard a mixture of everything. Okay. It doesn't make sense, but all the women who have written the check to JCPenney know how to write it. Okay. For those of you that are millennials, a check is a piece of paper. Uh, you, <laughs> you write a, a value on it and then you sign your name to it. Uh, <laughs> J.C. Penney has the extra E in it. I, I didn't. I didn't know that. That's uh, that's new to me. So uh, I, I was learning. Okay, here's the fun one. How many remember the board game Monopoly? Yeah, most of okay millennials. There's, it's the game you play at McDonald's when you get. <laughs> okay. okay. Also, a board game is a thing that you take out of a box. Okay, you put it on the table, uh, and it has little. Uh, yeah. Uh, but how many remember, uh, the, the character on there is Uncle Pennybags? Uh, you remember him? What is, can you describe what he looks like to me real quick? Everybody, he has a tuxedo. Yeah. Top hat, what? A monocle. I heard a monocle. Actually, he does not have a monocle. What? <laughs> what? We are in total shock right now. I cannot believe this. Your church is dismissed. We're done. <laughs> We, he doesn't have a monocle. In fact, it's kind of crazy because even uh, there was a, a group of people who did some um, protesting at a congressional hearing and got dressed up like Uncle Pennybags, and he ha- they all had monocles on. He 
doesn't have, you can even buy a, uh, a Mr. Uh, Uncle Ponybag's uh, costume and it comes with a monocle. He doesn't have a monocle, ever. Never has, never did, never will unless you dress up as him. But th- those are just some things that we've, we've, uh, we, we think we know. We, here, the point of this series has been when you learn it wrong, you will live it wrong. When you learn it wrong, you will live it wrong. And, and that, that's the way it is with the scripture and specifically with this idea of faith. So we, because we hear these like, concepts of faith and like, hey, you just need more faith. And you're like, well, can I pick that up at that Rite Aid? Or, you know, where, Walmart? Does Walmart carry a, a special package on faith? Where do I get this extra faith? And faith is this thing that we, we just, we're, we have some, some bad ideas of what it is. And so today I want to kind of wrap it all up, bring it to you, and, and your, get your message notes out uh, here. I, I want to, this, this isn't the first scripture, but I, I want to jump in a little bit deeper because we're going to be looking at a character in the Bible. Uh, she's not a character. She's a person who actually lived and did some amazing things. And her name is Hannah. But I want to jump into 1 Samuel chapter, uh, sorry. Oh, man, wait, I got to see, see my thank you. Thank you. I just missed like a whole section on faith. Uh, we're going to jump into Hannah in a second. But uh, <laughs> faith, faith is one of those things that we do have some bad ideas about. We've, so in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says that faith is the essence of things that we have not yet. We cannot see. It's what we hope for, but cannot see. Uh, Roman, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 2 Corinthians says it this way. She's, it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. And these are all good ideas, but it's hard to like put the, what's that, what does that actually mean? And, and here's a good way of, of putting it into a, a view is moms understand this really well. Because you have a child whose diaper you change, who you chase around the house trying to get them to do what you've asked them to do, who you chastise, who you love, who, and all that time you see evidence of things that are yet to come. They're not like for the rest of us, we don't see it. Trust me. Uh, okay, I, I have a confession to make. I like my kids. I don't like other kids. Okay? <laughs> I like my kids because I have the ability to, could, like, to beat them. No, I mean, no, I mean to, to lovingly direct them. Uh, <laughs> we'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> Uh, and also, like, there's a part of me that loves, I love my kids, but there's, like, let's be honest, when we look at other kids, we automatically go, well, they're not as good as my kid, uh, right? Because we are all biased, admit it. But there's a truth in that, that we look at other kids and we're like, you're going to have to settle for being at the bottom 50%. That's just where it's going to be. And, but you see it. Mom, you see it. You saw the value in them. You saw before they ever got to the place where they were able to walk, you saw the potential of walking in them. Before they were ever able to go to the grade school, ride their bike, before they were able to graduate from, uh, from high school and get their degree and be the, be the man or woman that some of you now get to see, you saw the evidence that we didn't see. That, you understand that. But the problem is, is Romans chapter 12, verse 3, which was the verse I wanted to pull up there, is, I love this because my, a lot of times we go, well, I just don't have faith then. But I want to show you this. It says, for, the, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought. Let me repeat that. I say to everyone among you that not to think of, everyone, of himself more highly than he ought. To think that's free. You can have that one. That's not in the notes. Bonus. Just, just 
bring yourself to where you're supposed to be. Anyways, but to think (laughs) with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So if you are here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if that's you're you're saying, hey, I wanted he has given you a measure of faith. Now, what Paul is trying to show the Romans, the church in Rome, is that, hey, you have a measure of faith and you need to identify where you're at, because that's where you're going to grow from. That's where you're growing from. And before before you can go any further, you need to identify where I'm at. See, the problem is, is we compare my measure to someone else's measure. We want to, we, we look at how someone else's faith is producing in their lives and we want that same production in our lives. But we don't take the time to realize for them to produce, they had to be planted. They had to be watered. They had to get fertilized. That can't be a pretty thing going through that process. They had to grow and then they produced a harvest. And so many times we look at our lives and we want to, we want to see the produce in our lives that other people are having. But what, yeah, we have to realize we may be in the place of, of getting planted. We have to understand that we've got a process to go through, but I, my faith can and will grow. And that's, that's what we're going to see in this example of Hannah. Hannah in chapter, in 1 Samuel chapter, uh, 1. This is where I want to show you, she's, responding this is her speaking she says i am a woman troubled in spirit i want to grab that quick i mean i am a woman troubled in spirit and here's what she says i'm going through some difficulty she says she's been accused of drinking we'll get to this in a minute she says i've never neither i have drunk neither wine nor strong drink but i have been pouring out my soul before the lord do not regard your servant as a worthless woman for all along I have been speaking out of, uh, out of my great anxiety and vexation. See, this is one of those things that we think in faith that if I have enough faith, then I'll never experience anxiety. If I have enough faith, then vexation, which would be a good translation of that, would be worry or frustration. If I have enough faith, I won't have frustration in my life. I won't be in a place where I worry. In fact, I saw a church sign uh, yesterday that said, uh, worry ends where faith begins. Mm, that sounds like a good magnet, right? Put that on your refrigerator. Problem is it's wrong. See, you can have faith and still be dealing with anxiety. In fact, we're going to see in this message, looking at Hannah, that it's out of her anxiety, her frustration, her worry that she develops faith and is able to grow and move forward in her faith. And for, it's, let me let me give you a little context to who she is. In First Samuel uh, chapter uh, two, it says, uh, given a little context here, it says he had two wives. Talking about a kind of who the, the man here in the story is is a man that's a Levite. And he has two wives. All right, I realize this like starts off like Jerry Springer ish. Okay, okay. Th- let me real quickly put this out there. When the Bible gives you something like this, it doesn't mean you apply it to your life. Okay, there's no sister wives going up in here. Okay, <laughs> this is there's a difference between the Bible being prescriptive, meaning you apply it to your life, and areas where it's descriptive. This is descriptive. I'll give you another example. Uh, David, uh, at one point in his, uh, in, as king, looks off of his uh, rooftop, looks down on another rooftop, and sees a naked woman. He lusts for that naked woman, gets her brought to his house, has sex with that naked woman, 
I, I, I hope she got dressed in between. But anyways, uh, she... <laughs> connecting dots got to do it real quick uh he gets her pregnant so then he decides to hide it that he's going to try to manipulate the husband doesn't work he ends up killing the husband okay that is all descriptive not something you apply to your life is that is that that okay so so here we have an example of two wives now all the way through scripture just just to verify this statement is that there is never a good situation where there's multiple wives it never is a good situation. Can somebody say amen? amen? Okay, I'm making sure you're with me on this. One of one of uh, one was called Hannah, and the other was Paniah. Paniah had children, but Hannah had none. Now, this is important that you catch this because Hannah is the first of the wives mentioned first, and most likely his first wife. But because she didn't have children. He would have said, well, I, I got to get my heritage to carry on. My, my legacy needs to go on. And so I have to have children. So that's why he married Paniah. So he marries Paniah. She then has children. This is the cause of the situation. It's never a good thing. It says, year after year, this man went up from, the, uh, from his town to worship uh, and sacrificed to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, not, not Phinehas and Ferb, but... That is a great cartoon. That's like the only one I like watching. I'll, I'll, find my, I'll put my kids to bed and I'll sit down and I'm watching Phineas and Ferb. I have issues. Okay. And, and need a life, obviously. But <laughs> where Hophni and Phineas and the two, sons of, the two sons of Eli were the priest of the Lord. Now, let me show you a map here of where, where we're talking about just to get context. So Shiloh is up here. There's Shiloh. This is where they're from. Rama or Rama Thumb Zophan is where they're from. Now, on a map, it looks like it's a nice little, quick little trip up the, you know, across the, the nation there of Israel, and they get there. But the, the, what you can't see on the map is that that's all uphill. If you you could see that the, uh, Shiloh, Jerusalem, Bethlehem are all on a, on top of a mountain, so that's an uphill trek. And they get there. It's it's not. They don't have a car. They don't jump in and go. Hey, we're going on a quick day trip. This is a journey. So this is a devout man who is constantly going to the tabernacle. Shiloh is where the tabernacle was. This is before David built the temple in Jerusalem. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. Solomon would have built the, uh, the uh, temple in uh, Jerusalem. But here, here is it's at the tabernacle. It's a tent. It is the place of the Holy of Holies where God's spirit dwelt. So that's, that's the context here. So they go, they're going there to do a sacrificial dinner and they're spending that time there. He, year after year, it says. So we have this example of where they're going, what they're doing. And in verse seven, let me show you. It says, whenever the day came for Elkanah to, Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Paniah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord, had closed her womb. Going on to the next verse there, it says, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. How, how many got that person in their life? They got something you don't have and they remind you on a regular basis. <laughs> See, that's where you lose Jesus. People like that make you lose Jesus. <laughs> you can't, you can't lose Jesus. That's a figure of speech sorry okay this went on year after year whenever hannah went up to the house of the lord her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat see this is 
where you have to understand there are things in your life where there's where you are and where you need to be. There's a gap in between. What she wanted to be and what she was was provoked to such a degree that she was caused to weep. Have you ever felt like that? Like there's something in you that there's a deficit. Like you know you wanted to get to some place, that there's some place you needed to be, that you wanted to be, that got, you felt within you that was in you, but you just couldn't get there. And there was a deficit, a gap between where you were and where you needed to be. And it doesn't matter how big or small that is. For some of us, we're thinking, yeah, mine's not that really that big of a deal. But for you, it's real. And because it's you and you're dealing with it, it's, it's real and it causes anxiety and it causes worry and it, it brings up that frustration. And you're like, I just need to get over this gap. And the, here's what you need to understand is that the gap that you're presently looking at is there so that it'll prepare you for where God needs to take you. See, the, the bigger your gap is, the greater your destiny. So your gap determines your destiny. Your gap determines your destiny. Let me, let me put it in a way, that, uh, an illustration for you to understand. When we launched this church, we got prepared. We were, we were excited and overwhelmed all at the same time. We, we put together a budget and we're saying we can do this in Tuscarawas County. We'll make a difference. We're going we're gonna to do everything we can. And God's called us to this. And we, just, we figured it's going to cost us about $85,000. Well, I didn't have $85,000 in the bank. No, none of you came to me. If you have $85,000 in the bank, you didn't tell me, okay? We, we didn't had a better conversation. <laughs> but there was an $85,000 gap. And you know what happened? God brought in $101,000. And we were able to take that leap, and we overcame that gap. The reason why I was able to take that step of 85000 and overcome that gap was because God was preparing us for when we bought this building, which was a $600,000 gap. Yeah, seven times difference. So 85600 seven times the difference. And when we were able, I, I, had, I had confidence. I was able to go across that gap. So the first gap prepared me for the next greater gap. So getting across the $600,000 gap, you know what that means? I multiply that by seven, that's the, our next gap is $4.2 million. Yeah, I see a couple of trustees starting to sweat right now. Um, <laughs> let, let me tell you this, though. The, 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 the passion, the calling that God has on this church is far greater than $4.2 million. And I'm confident that we will be able to do it, be able to do ministry that is in this county and the county surrounding us and the, and the, and the world that we're going to make is going to be greater than $4.2 million. And I have no doubt that God's going to do it because I've been able to watch this church take steps of 85000 and 600000 and I don't have a clue where God's taking us, but I'm ready. Mm-hmm. See, where you are and the gap you're looking at is only going to prepare you for where God's going to end up taking you. That's good preaching, even if you don't want to bring it on. Here's what's interesting. It says over and over again in this, in this account of Hannah, it says that God closed her room. And that, that's what it feels like. When we are looking at that gap, we feel like God's trying to do something to us, when in fact, he's trying to do something through us. And God's only preparing us for where he needs to take us because the gap is the opportunity. The gap is the opportunity. And where, where God's trying to move us and take us is, 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 showing, is revealed to us by the gap. So if, if your deficit right now is, seems overwhelming, it's only because God's got something even greater in store for you. 
God, you got, I got to grab that. What you're going through right now is only going to prepare you for something even greater. So that's like a positive and a, and a negative. Like, yeah, you're going to get over this gap, but you're going to face a bigger gap. Welcome to Authentic Church. I'm glad I could encourage you today. See, God's got big stuff for us. It's, then it says that in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9, it says, uh, oh, he says to her, like, why are you crying? Akana uh, would ask, why aren't you eating? Why are you so downhearted just because you have no children? <laughs> you have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? Gentlemen, no. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing you can do to make it. You're never going to satisfy her. In Jesus. I, I, I I mean, okay. <laughs> Keep going to the next verse there. It says, after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. So they've, they've done the sacrificial dinner. They've, they've had this moment where they've come to do what they've, uh, to worship God and to sacrifice to him. And it says, now uh, she got up from the table and walked away from the table and says, now Eli, the priest sitting on the seat beside the doorstep, post of the temple of the Lord or the tabernacle. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Now here's what happens. She got up from where she was eating, where she couldn't eat. She was so full of anxiety and worry and frustration that she couldn't eat. Now, some of you, you struggle with that because you're stress eaters. Like you don't get that. I, I get this. She's stressed. She's exactly like when I'm stressed, like before services, whenever I get ready to speak, I don't eat. Like I, I just I'm so nervous and my, my stomach's already going. And so I, I don't eat. So I get this. She's she's full of anxiety, worry, frustration. She's not eating. And she gets up from there and she goes and she prays. Now, she kept praying. She year after year, she'd be coming to the same spot. And for some of you, you're, you're looking at that gap and you're going I've been here before, God. I, for, during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, I fasted and I prayed. I prayed over this exact gap that I'm facing today and nothing's changed. I'm bringing it back to you again and I've been doing this over and over again. And I keep coming back to this. I, God, I've, I've been bringing my, my son to you over and over again, but that nothing's changing in his heart. God, I've been coming to you over and over again. I've been asking you to, to take care of this health situation, but I'm still in this situation. God, I've been coming to you over and over again, and I've been asking you to help me through this financial difficulty, but nothing's changed. She kept coming. She kept praying. She kept coming to that place, to the place where she could hear from God. And see, here's what you need to understand is that prayer fills the gap. You must know, you must, prayer fills the gap. You must fill the gap with prayer, when you're looking at a deficit, when you're looking at that gap and you're saying it's too big, it's too great, you fill that time with prayer. And, and here, here's what you need to hear. You, you, your prayer is different in the gap. It's a desperation. It's a dependence upon Jesus. See, in, in, the, in the gap, you, you need him differently than when you're in that situation where things are going smoothly. It's easy to forget that, that God even is out there when everything's smooth sailing but it's when you're in the gap that you're like i need jesus i want to look show you how she prays and she says that she prays to the and she vowed a vow and said oh lord of host (laughs) this is this is one of those things we just kind of skip over she she's praying to the lord of host what she's literally saying is lord of the plenty 
Lord of the innumerable is what she's literally saying. The one who I have nothing, I have no children, and she would have been considered a worthless woman. In fact, you're going to hear her say, don't consider me a worthless woman. And she says, don't consider me a worthless woman. I'm in a gap. I've got nothing, but I'm coming to the one who has everything. Some of you need to change the way you're praying and say, stop looking and praying about yourself. Lord, I got nothing. Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, I'm disappointed. Lord, I got anxiety. Lord, I've got the, Lord, I'm, I'm going through a difficult time. You need to stop praying about you and start praying to the one who is. Lord, you're the Lord of the healing. So I'm going to pray, Lord of the healing. Lord, you're the one who's the provider. So I'm going to pray to Lord, my provider. Lord, you're the one who is the one who has wisdom. So Lord of my wisdom. Lord, I'm going to the one. This is where good Pentecostal church would have been clapping, standing up, doing woo. I'll let you go this time. You, you need to be going. You know what? I'm struggling. I don't have peace. This is when you get into places. Lord, I, I, Lord, you are my peace. Stop praying about you and start praying to him. So she says, Eli, look, it says, Eli, it says, uh, um, if you will indeed look at my affliction and your servant, remember me and not, and not forget your servant. But will, I will give to your, uh, to your servant a son. And then I will get, uh, if you give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall touch his head then, then as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth and she was speaking and her mouth was moving, but no words were coming out. It says Hannah was speaking from her heart, only the lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. See, sometimes when, when you start praying prayers that are in the gap, they're going to sound ridiculous to the people around you. The prayers that you pray in the gap are, are going to sound crazy to other people. In fact, Eli looks at her and goes, how long will you be drunk? Will you go on being drunk? Put away your wine from you. See, she looked crazy to Eli. He, and it says, but Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman see don't don't look at what i can't give right now don't don't pay attention to the, the what the, my nothing don't pay attention to my gap my deficit don't look at that right now she says for all i all along i have been speaking or praying out of my great anxiety my 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 anxiety and my vexation my frustration and worry is where i'm coming to god in in faith see not, she was taking her anxiety and turning it into faith. She was taking her worry and transferring it into taking a step of faith. God, if you'll, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm all in. I've got everything you give me. I'm giving it back. I, I'm coming. I'm going to give everything back to you. And Eli thought she was crazy. And it says he responded to her. He says, in that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. The man of God, the one who represented God on earth at this time, looks at her and says, I've got a word from God. Go in peace. God's going to grant. Oh, thank you, sir, she explained, exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. I want you to catch something. Nothing in her life, circumstances, changed. But she got a word from God. 
Sometimes we use that phrase, you need a word from God. And what does that mean? Like a word from God? Is that like giraffe? I mean, I, like unicorn. No, is that, no a, word, a word from God is what you needed in that moment. You needed confirmation that God is hearing you, God is seeing you, and the word that he speaks. Sometimes it'll happen on, during a message. You, you'll hear one line in a message, and it'll be exactly what you needed to hear in that moment, and that was a word from God. Other times it'll be from someone who comes behind you and puts their hand on your shoulder and says, hey, and they'll say something to you. And in that moment, when it confirms with the word of God, the Bible, and it verifies what the word of God's been spoken, it'll be that word. Sometimes it'll be a note. Sometimes it'll be a song. It'll be that word that you needed in that moment. You need, uh, you, the, in this moment, she gets a word from God. Nothing in her life changes, but her peace comes. She goes back to eating. She, she's ready. I, I, I'm, I'm good. So, uh, see, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. See, you, you need to hear a word. You need to get to, so in a position. Notice where she's at. She's at the tabernacle. She's put herself in a position to hear from God. See, so many times we're wanting to hear from God, but we don't open up his word. So many times we want to hear from God, but we don't get around people that will be able to speak his word. We feel ourselves, we're like, oh, I, I need to know what I need to do next. So I'll put it on my Facebook or my Insta, Insta stories. Fill in the gap. What should I do? You, you, you'll go to like a Facebook recommendations. What should I do in this situation? You'll do a Facebook poll. For God's sake, please stop getting your information and your wisdom from Facebook. See, the word of God has to be the foundation of everything you are doing. But you can't get a word from God if you don't put yourself in a position to hear from God. Oh, I heard a little bit of mumbling there. That's, that, that, you go ahead and get, mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. The word must be our foundation. God's word always comes to pass. Maybe not in our timing, but it always comes to pass. But it also takes our involvement. Hannah got a word from God, but she didn't go home and just wait. Well, she wasn't the Virgin Mary. She had to make some participation in this. Hey, Alkinah, I got a word. Some of you going to try that today. You're going to go home. I got a word. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> the word... Here's what you need. The word bridges the gap. The word bridges the gap. Check what happens next in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 24. It says, when the child was weaned. See, see, God's word will come to pass in its due time. They had a child. The child, the very next year, actually, the child is born. So, but she didn't bring him back right away. She, she grew him up a little bit. She said, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh after he was weaned. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. She says, sir, do you remember me? I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord 
there. Now, Hannah wept for a baby. But I'm willing to bet she even wept more when she gave her baby. I know she, she wept in a, in a position of prayer and desperation as she called for a miracle. But when she gave that miracle, she wept even more. See, the greatest test of faith is not looking at the gap. It's on the other side of the gap. When we come to, to him in front of the gap, we come with empty hands. So, I, I'll get that in a minute. Tell him I'm busy. I, I, I trying to trying to finish out this message here. <laughs> the greatest test of faith is not when we need a miracle. It's after we receive the miracle. See, before we stand there with empty and open hands. Can we stand there after we receive the miracle with full and open hands? See, what happens a lot of times when we receive the miracle that God wants to give us is that then we grasp hold of it and we won't let go. And he wants to do something greater, but we're holding on to what he already put there. And this is where, you, when I, I started the message with this illustration of the plant, See, that plant wants to produce. We all love that. We all get excited about the production. But the planting, the watering, the fertilization, the growing, and the producing is all great. But the harvest isn't for the plant. See, so many times we want to hold on to our miracle for me. When God's going, I'm giving you a miracle so that I can do something with it. I gave you this blessing and this anointing. I gave you this calling, not for you. But it was so that someone else would be blessed by it. The beautiful thing is, see, the gap that was created when she gave Samuel produced in the children that she would then have. See, you, once you receive what God has called you and you've crossed to the other side of the gap... It's our responsibility to create a new gap. Create a new gap. Are you willing to stand in front of the one who's given you everything? With your hands open, empty or full. Are you willing to stand and say, God, God I, you've blessed me. Now I'm, I'm standing here and I'm ready for the next one. I'm willing to let you have this. So I can move on with the next. See, it's our responsibilities to create that new gap. Lord, I pray over this church right now. Lord, I pray anointing over every single person in this room that has received something from you. Lord, so many times we get caught up looking at the gap that we don't see what's in our hand. Lord, I thank you for what you have blessed us with. But Lord, I have faith to trust you with what you've put in my hand. In Jesus' name, amen. For some of you here this morning, this is the moment that you need to take your initial step of faith. 
You need to take that step and say, I hear this message. I know that I have a deficit in front of me, but I got to begin the journey of faith. And to begin the journey of faith is the means that you turn to Jesus Christ. The Bible calls it repentance. You turn from doing it on your own to giving it to Jesus Christ. And here's what I would do. I want to pray this prayer right now and an opportunity for us to just say, God, I'm all yours. I'm following after you. I'm taking a step of faith in you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're not going to embarrass you. I would never do that. But I want to give you an opportunity to take that step to trust Jesus. So Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning trusting you. Lord, I give you my life. Everything that you've given me, I give back. I trust that your death, your burial, and resurrection was for me. That my sin has been paid in for. That there is no more debt. I receive you. In Jesus' name. Amen.